Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is 10-20-2021, and we're ready to begin our worship service. Let's have prayer. Father, thank you so much for this time we have this evening. We thank you for life, health, and strength that we have, and we uh, recognize that it is by your grace that we continue in this world. We thank you for those who have joined this evening. And we pray that uh, as we open your word and focus our attention now on those things therein, that you will give us wisdom and understanding as we uh, continue to go through the book of Romans. All of this we ask in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. So our normal course of study is in Romans chapter 9. And uh, we are approaching a couple verses today, um, or actually we're, we were in a couple verses, uh, but our quest is Romans 9, 30 and 31. We're right in the middle and we're trying to finish, I think, around verse 31. So we'll get to that later. But uh, there is a question on the table and uh, we will address that if we can. Go right ahead, Bill. So the question is, the person that has not accepted Christ, but they have not rejected Christ, what happens with that person? Mm. Good point. Let's see. Let's see. So the question is, what about the person who has not accepted Christ, they haven't believed in him, but they haven't rejected him either? So... Are people are there people in that situation right now? They haven't believed in Christ, but they haven't said no to Christ. So that that is a question to consider. Um, I would say if we were dealing with um, salvation from our perspective. In other words, of what we can do and, and the fact that we gave somebody the gospel and they believed and we didn't get to give up the, the person next to them the gospel. So they didn't believe. Or If we were only thinking about the gospel from a human perspective, that scenario could, in fact, be true. But I don't think that the scenario... Um, can stand since it, it, we are not only dealing with a human aspect. We got, really, we are ancillary or secondary when it comes to the major uh, person who is uh, the, the one who gives the gospel in the world, who reaches out to every human being. It's not us. It's God the Holy Spirit. So now, since we have to include or add God the Spirit as the primary one who witnesses to the hearts of men, uh, then we have to ask, did the Holy Spirit, or does the Holy Spirit, do his job? Um, and, or can we look at his job and say, well, you know, there are people that they don't get the opportunity um, so, I think I would defer to the, the fact that the Holy Spirit does do his job. And I don't think people are in that situation. So, here, here's the reasoning. I got one scripture I want to share. Uh, and that is uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. And we're going to read these verses, 9 through 11. So, so this is verse 9. This is a trustworthy saying and deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in a living God, and here it is, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So, two categories of people here. We could say all people is one category, 
and especially of those who believe is seems to be another category i don't think uh those who believe are in the other other category otherwise they would be in the the believing category right they would say we could say he's if somebody believes then they're especially those who believe right so how can christ be the savior of all people especially those who believe those all people uh, are lost and christ earned the right to be their savior by paying for their sins by he is declared to be the savior of the world personally he did something for eight for each person that's out there in the world whether they acknowledge it or not christ is the savior of all people he's certainly the savior of those who believe because they put their trust in him and they are reconciled to god these other people are not so i would say um how, how do, so they, they're already saved from the standpoint that Christ is their Savior, but they're not reconciled to the Father. What would reconcile them, these people? That they believe in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, so if Christ is the Savior of all people, how do those people come to the knowledge of that? How is it that these people can know the greatest thing that ever happened as far as Christ came into the world and he came in the world to save people. He's the savior of the world. He's the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. He's the propitiation for our sins, but not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. How does he, uh, how does that happen? Well, the only reason people are lost is because they refuse to believe in Jesus Christ. So, so now we have it. We have uh, Jesus earned the right to be the Savior of the, of the world, of all the people in the world. And he does save uh, and reconcile those who believe. Well, what about those who don't believe? Well... Those who don't believe uh, are still lost, dead in their transgressions and sins. And like it says in John 3.18, where it says, and this is the condemnation, right? That they didn't believe. And the wrath of God remains on them. So that's the answer, I would say, is it is God the Holy Spirit's job to reach the heart of everyone that Christ died for. Now, it's, it's the greatest thing that Christ did die for every person and the sins of people that you know wouldn't even be that are not even born yet. He did all this work. Now it would be a shame if God did not have a sufficient communications method to reach the people for whom Christ died. Now, if he depended on us, human beings, and said, okay, uh, I'm going to uh, enlist human beings to be my communication, my marketing team, and then the salvation would be dependent on us who are weak, those who are, there are ignorant among us, there are weak people among us. So we are, we, if we're the communications arm of this whole process of saving people, I would say that it's not a good uh, communication method. So God, we are secondary, and God, the Holy Spirit, is primary in this. And every soul that comes into the world, the Holy Spirit goes after. And even we read that uh, scripture in Acts about the Jews. You do always resist the Holy Spirit, just as your forefathers did, so do you. So notice, the Holy Spirit, one thing is constant, is that the Holy Spirit continues to go after Israel, even though they were resisting generations of uh, 
Jews were resisting, but the Holy Spirit remained constant in his effort to turn the hearts of those who were rejecting Christ. So we're already born lost. So there is no, well, if you know this happens, we'll be lost. We're already lost. Only question is, will we receive the gift of life? And that's for every human being. We're born lost. And so the question, only question remains is, will you accept the gift of life? And that is the Holy Spirit's job to present or to lead people in that acceptance. Now, the fact that we get to help in this is a tremendous blessing on our part. It is a joy to be able to help uh, lead someone to the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. That is the work. We're all said to be ambassadors for Christ. And so, um, I mean, we, we, we're blessed as we go out and are able to speak the words of life, as Peter said. So there are categories um, that we could mention, like children, babies, who die, and they don't, they don't have the capacity to be able to understand who Christ is and you know, and even if the Holy Spirit witnessed to them and they were ch children, I don't... Uh, so how do, what happens with them? So if they die before they understand what the gospel is or can understand, then they're automatically saved. Because remember, Christ qualifies as the Savior of all people. What's the reason why anybody's lost? Well, they refuse to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't refuse, then the Lord automatically saves them uh, because they haven't, haven't the capacity to understand the gospel. So as we say in John 3.16 through 18, where it just simply says, well, 3.18 is, is the crux of the matter. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So, there, there it is. The person uh, who believes is not, is not under condemnation. And the reason why people are under condemnation is because they have not believed. They can be out from under condemnation, but they have to believe. If you don't have the capacity, well, then... Certainly you can't believe if you don't have the capacity. 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son, refuses to believe in the Son, will not see life, and God's wrath remains on them. So this person has to actively reject the Son on the one hand. On the other hand, the person actively puts their faith, their trust in the Son. So there is that, that's the only other category of people I can think of, you know, the people who uh, refuse to believe, those who do believe, and obviously those who don't have the capacity to believe. I'll pause. Does that answer? Do you have a follow-up? Well, I'm going to assume everything is okay. Hopefully, that was a good question. Hopefully, uh, others, um, if you have. Okay. All right. So, with that, then, we're going to move ourselves right on into Romans. Um, so, let's go to it. Romans chapter 9. This is where we left off last week. We left off at point number four. But let's just review Romans 9. This is where we are. Uh, what then shall we say? This is Romans 9, 30 and 31. What then shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith. But the people of Israel who pursued the law as a way of righteousness have not attained their goal. So in the notes... Let's draw some conclusions at this point. Aside from the judgments that have been part of Israel's history, 
We could, we could discuss the reasons for their discipline. God's objective is not to cause Israel to suffer. Quote, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Unquote. And that's in Hebrews 2.11, uh, 12.11. God goes to the root of their issue. They certainly failed God, yes, but their failure did not cause God to reject his people, Israel. That's what we're seeing and yes, they were horrible in their response to God. And I think the climax of their disobedience and rejection was to crucify the Messiah who came to his own people, but they refused and they said, crucify him. So we're coming from the standpoint, why are we here? Why are we talking about Israel? What's the point in all of this? It is because God... Uh, had a hidden dispensation called uh, the dispensation of the grace of God. Uh, and it was a mystery. It was hidden. It was no one knew that this was going to happen. And yet it happened at Pentecost. And the Jews reacted to it uh, very distastefully. They just criticized the whole thing about Jews and Gentiles together in one body, dropping the Mosaic law. Uh, you know, they just did not like what God had ordained through uh, by pulling Jews and Gentiles together in one body. And, and this was a problem. They just considered, in fact, if the Jews thought, well, if, if we're going to be in the same body with Gentiles, they're going to have to keep the law. They're going to have to be circumcised. So really what the Jews wanted was to continue with the Mosaic law. And if people wanted to convert to Judaism, they would need to um, uh, become proselytes to Judaism through the process. You know, be circumcised, and then they'd have to obey the Mosaic law. And so, but that is not God's plan at all. God's plan was that the the church would not be under the Mosaic law at all. So, because of that, the Jews reacted pretty pretty violently. They just hated God's choice. And they criticized them for it. They complained. They, uh, they accused God of, you know, not keeping his word. So these things, are, these are very serious charges. And God addresses them. First of all, he tells Israel, listen, listen. I chose you. You didn't have a problem with that. I chose, and, and really, I mean, I carved out the nation Israel through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. My, my choices. And it was up to me. And, and then anybody who got in my way of forming the nation Israel, uh, such as Pharaoh, ended with divine discipline. And God visited his wrath upon Pharaoh. And Pharaoh and his army were drowned in the Red Sea. And God was able to bring Israel out into the desert and created the nation Israel. He established and ordained the nation Israel. He, he did it. Uh, so Israel didn't have a problem with all of that. But now when God is trying to uh, now bring forward his eternal purpose, Israel doesn't like it. They don't like to be put on pause. But they're on pause. So Paul pointed out also the many uh, ups and downs Israel had in terms of even when they were a part of God's plan. It was still disobedient Israel. I don't think anybody can read the Bible and not know that Israel was very disobedient. And they had many ups and downs, even to the, a point where God had to do what he calls his strange act, which is to uh, put, which was to literally um, discipline his own people. 
He allowed a nation to come in and overthrow his own people. And those are the, this is a nation God established, but they were so disobedient that God had to deal with them in this manner. So, long story short, Paul con continued to point that out to Israel. But even in all of Israel's failures, as we went through Hosea and Gomer and um, which God told the, Hosea to go marry Gomer, and Gomer w went out and uh, was just unfaithful to Hosea and bore him three children. And each one of those children's names were very, God told him, name this one, that one, name that one, this one, and it was all prophetic in what God was doing as he was portraying what Israel was uh, behaving toward uh, God. So all of it was pretty prophetic. And so he talked about how Israel will be restored. That's the story of Hosea. Even though all those things happened, Israel came and was devastated. And, and there were two kingdoms. There's the northern and the southern kingdom. And Israel was the northern, and it was completely destroyed. But a remnant was saved. That remnant joined forces with Judea. Uh, the Jerusalem, and they again were like the sand. God multiplied them like the sand on the seashore. So in other words, God's point in using all of that was to say, yeah, you've been through a lot of terrible things, Israel, spiritual adultery, and yet you were restored and brought. God continued to bless you just like you know, the covenant that he established with you from the beginning. So then, now God is also pointing out to Israel through where we are now is that Israel had other problems. Part of their problems, uh, one of the main root causes of their problems was they, they refused to believe in grace, the salvation that was by grace. All you had to do was look at the substitution of an innocent animal uh, who would have to die, that the life of that animal would have to uh, be given, uh, and it would be on the person's behalf. Right? This is the thought of what it was like to be a priest. As you, you was, it was a bloody business, and you would have to be killing animals, cutting their throats. This, and, and collecting the blood and offering that blood. And, and it was nobody, I mean, and there was a special Levitical priesthood. So I'm, I'm making this longer than it needs to be. But Israel refused to believe in Jesus Christ as he was uh, revealed through animal sacrifice. They refused to believe. Now, not all of them. Some of them did. But the majority of them did not. They refused to believe that. So what ended up happening? Well, God disciplined them as they would not receive salvation. They ended up doing all kinds of things. And the root cause of their problem was the fact that they were unbelieving. Uh, so that's important to note. So this is where we are in our notes where God is now saying the very thing that Israel wanted, which, which would have been salvation, but they pursued it in the wrong way. Uh, remember, salvation was the root cause of their problem. If they were saved, then God would have much more um, control and authority over them. But, you know, cause, because they weren't, they just went out and did anything and everything they wanted to do. So we are now dealing with the fact that in the church, God still reaches out to Israel. Uh, Israel is, <laughs> is, is still uh, out there and has opportunity to come to salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, in Romans 11, Paul says, no, God has not failed his people, which he foreknew. I'm in, I'm, look at me, I, I'm saved. Even though Paul was saved and now he's in the church, 
but he has salvation. The very thing Israel tripped up over so many years. And then when Christ came, they crucified him. And then we know the scripture is whoever believes in him is the one. He, there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other name. So, this is where we are. We've covered points one. Uh, what shall we say then? We cover point two, that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness, and we covered point three, have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith. We will just go over a few of those. Uh, point eight, the Gentiles have obtained what the Jews coveted through the law. So this is literally what uh, I was just saying, uh, how the Jews wanted salvation. They wanted uh, to be justified, but their justification, the way they wanted to be right with God was by keeping the law. But that is literally the problem. It says, verse 31, but the people of Israel who pursued the law as a way of righteousness, has they have not attained their goal. So they wanted to be righteous and, and justified before God. But the law was not the way. Now, it was a distortion on Israel's part because, I mean, for them to... It's even silly. Now, Romans 4, Paul br brings out a good point in Romans chapter 4 where he, he's saying that Abraham was not circumcised when he was saved. He didn't obey the command to be circumcised in order to be saved. He was justified before God and it didn't have anything. Was it before he was circumcised or after? In other words, if it was after, the Jews could say, see, Abraham was being obedient to the covenant. That's why he was saved, right? Well, no, Abraham was justified before he was circumcised, which means before he became a Hebrew. Before he had accepted the covenant by becoming circumcised, he was already saved. Abraham is the father of us all, right? He understands. He, and those are the promises that we, we even believe that, you know, through, all, through Abraham, the, all nations would be blessed. How, how is that? Through the fact that Christ would come and, and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel, and then Judah, and then Christ. So uh, it was very clear. And... In Romans 4 and I'm, I wonder what Israel's response to Romans 4 is because it says it was not after he was circumcised it was before he was which is to say Israel you're off to mark here you're thinking that salvation is of the law well what about all the people who didn't have the law before uh, not just Abraham as Adam and Noah, and we could go on with all the people who, look at Ab, righteous Abel. I mean, he, he didn't have the law. He didn't have the Mosaic law. So, so none of that makes sense. But yet, the Jews clung to this notion that they could be justified through their keeping the Mosaic law. It was wrong for them to think that. So that was point A. Point B, how do the Gentiles have righteousness, justification, acceptance with God? By faith. So he's not talking about all Gentiles, as we said, but those who are in the church he's talking about. Because how did you get into the church? Well, you had to believe in Christ, period. Did you need the, the law to do it? No, you didn't. And we covered some of this. Uh, we're going to brush through it until we get to point four. We're just reviewing. Point C, faith. Trusting in Jesus Christ, God's Lamb, His propitiation, the only Savior. That's what it means. It doesn't mean trusting in the law or trusting that you will keep the law. It is simply believing in Jesus Christ. Point D, faith committing the matter of your soul salvation to Christ. The results, what will happen if you do that? If you commit the matter of your soul salvation to Christ? Well, one, we have eternal life and there's the scriptures right there for it. And two, we have righteousness and justification. So, so the righteousness we have is the righteousness of Christ, not righteousness that we 
manufacture on our own from keeping the law, but the righteousness which is imputed to us. And this is Romans 3, 21 through 24, which talks about we are justified freely by through the work of Jesus Christ. No person is justified by keeping the law. No person, whether you're Jew or Gentile, can, can you be justified by what you do. So, uh, and then Romans 5, 1, we have peace with, now that we are justified, we have peace with God. That's what the Jews wanted. Well, the Gentiles came in the door of salvation without a thought of the law because they didn't have the law. So how could, and that was one thing that baffled the Jews. How could the Gentiles be saved? But they don't even have the Mosaic law. How can they be saved? Well, it's because the Jews had the wrong notion and error in their theology and it would permeated a lot of those who are in Israel. Not everyone, but many in Israel. The majority of those who are in Israel uh, refused uh, because of this point. Point, um, point E, the Gentiles obtained it because they pursued it by faith. They understood that faith was the way of salvation. Point F, Gentiles here refers to those in the church age who are currently not under the law. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. That's Romans 3.22. So just some review into where we were, but um, we're going to cover these next couple points, point number four and five, but these are the phrases that we're focused on. But the people of Israel who pursued the law as the way of righteousness. So the Gentiles obtained it by faith, but the people of Israel, okay, now let's talk about Israel. They, they pursued the law as a way of righteousness. They have not attained their goals. But let's look at this first point. They, they pursued the law as a way of righteousness. Think about that. Even before we get into the points made here, you will, if you just look around, you will find that there are many people who are calling themselves Christians today, who are doing the very same thing. Now, of course, they have made a law out of morality, uh, what, quote, is Christian, unquote, today. What people think is Christian. Oh, they've included all kinds of things that you should do if you're a Christian. And if you don't do those things, you don't have works, then they will say that you don't have faith. And if you don't have faith, well, then obviously you're not saved. So they, it, it was insidious what happened with uh, the Jews because of what they had. They had the law and they thought, well, this is God's, God's righteous standard. And, and if we keep the law, God will, he will love us. Well, they were wrong. They were wrong in that. And then there are Christians today who think, that they have some moral standard or some way uh, that, of conduct that if we adhere to that, God will somehow respect that and we will be saved. Not at all. Because the bad news is there is none righteous, not even one. We all start out lost already. We're not trying to be saved by our works. It's by grace. And the only way you're going to be saved is through Faith in Jesus Christ, salvation by grace. So let's look at these points. And uh, as we do, just remember, there are still people who are trying to pursue God through their works. And that puts them in the same category as uh, what happened here to the people of Israel. So point A, the people of Israel, referring to Jews, this is who Paul is talking about, but Jews who distorted the purpose of the law into a means of salvation. Now, we already read, let's read Romans 3, 19 and 20. This is exactly what Paul is talking about in these verses. I'll read it, Romans 3, 19. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced, and the whole world held accountable to God. So when Paul is speaking about the law broadly, 
the law is a reflection of God's perfect righteousness. No human being born with a sin nature, condemned and under the wrath of God, can keep the law in the first place. So what people should know is when they look at the law, it should show them that they need a Savior. So hence we have verse 20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Well, where did we get that idea? Who, who's trying to do that? The Jews are trying to do that. They're trying to be righteous with God. Just like in our verse, the people of Israel who pursued the law as a way of righteousness. There they are in verse 320 here. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Well, it's literally, they're, as we say, <laughs> metaphorically, they are barking up the wrong tree. And that is not where they're going to become justified before God or righteous. It, it's not going to be through the works of the law. But what, what does happen through the works of the law? Through the law, we become conscious of our sin. In other words, we realize that we're sinners. We realize that we're under the wrath of God, condemned. Uh, the law is even said to be the ministry of death. Yeah, that's in Second Corinthians chapter 3. So, uh, Romans three nineteen and 20, yeah, he was referring to the Jews and their pursuit of righteousness, falsely. Point B, the law cannot and will never have the power to save anyone. I'll just read it in Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. So, uh, law can't save. But, I mean, if the law could save then the Jews would have a way of righteousness. But the law cannot save. So let's just read it. Galatians 3, 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? So there you have it. It's the salvation. Christ was crucified. He's the one that died for you. So you can't... The works of the law is not, they will never get you justification. It is simply by believing what you heard. You heard the, the, the gospel of your salvation, having believed... You were, that's what, uh, uh, you were added to the body of Christ. That's how it worked. That's Ephesians 1, 13. So, in this, you have the thought, the principle, that law never was designed to save us. The law is like a mirror. You can look in the mirror and realize that you are dirty, that you, you need to wash your face. <laughs> you can look in the mirror and see that. But, the, but because you see that, the law doesn't wash your face for you. The law can't, can't clean you up. It can only show what's there. So what, what is there? For all of us, it's gonna, we're going to be conscious that we're sinners, that we don't meet the, the austere standards of perfect righteousness. We don't meet that. That's why the scripture says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How did all sin? Well, all are not even born yet. Uh, no, Adam sinned. And because of what Adam did, that is the way sin is passed down and death by sin to everyone in Adam. That's how come it says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? Because of what Adam did, we're all in the same boat. And we call that the bad news. So law can't... I can't save anyone. Point C, that they pursued the law, and here it is, quote, as the way of righteousness. And this is it, right here. They should have been pursuing uh, Christ, right? By faith, tr putting their trust in him. And this is not only after the cross. This was before the cross that they were 
pursuing the law as the way of righteousness. And they could have believed in the Savior to come. I mean, they were busy sacrificing animals, which were the perfect metaphor for what Christ was going to do for them. Many understood it, but the majority of them did not. They rejected that and pursued the law as the way of righteousness. And the fact is, and we already read the scripture in Romans 3.20, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. This is like a slap in the face to the Jew who was trying to do this. Uh, and literally, if you think about it today, this is exactly what the Jews are trying to do. They have rejected Christ. They said, no, he's not the one. But they are using uh, the law and their ritual as a system of righteousness before God, as if God would, would accept them and their works in the end, and they will be saved. And the answer, we already have it in Scripture in Romans 3.20. Point D, the law is not of faith. So Galatians 3.12, since you're already in Galatians, here it says it here. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. So notice, when it's, the law and faith are mutually exclusive. It, it is not, and people will say this. They're like, well, I have uh, faith in Christ and I'm keeping the law. So I don't know why. Faith in Christ is the way we receive the imputation of the righteousness of Christ. That's how we become righteous, through faith. It is, has nothing to do with, the law contributes nothing to our salvation other than that the fact that it can make us conscious of our sin, Romans 3.19. It can make us conscious of who we are and that, and help us or lead us to Christ so he could save us. It can't save us, right? By believing saves us. By keeping the law only shows us that we're condemned. The fact that we fail at keeping the law only shows us that we are condemned. So there you have point C. They pursued the law as a way of righteousness. I mean... Couldn't, could it be any clearer? If people are pursuing salvation as a way of righteousness through their works, then this is the scripture they need to understand. Uh, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Now, Paul dealt with this in Romans 7. Well, does that mean the law is bad? No, the law is good. There's nothing wrong with the law. There's something wrong with us. That's what the law is trying to tell us. There's something wrong with you. Because the law shows you that your face is dirty, what should you do? Should you break the mirror? Did you, should you say, oh, it's the mirror's fault because it showed that on me? No. What you do is you clean, you, you get your face clean. That's what you do. You don't, the mirror only showed you. The mirror doesn't have any power to clean your face at all. So the law can't do anything. Point D, and we already said the law is not a faith. We're headed to point E. For if the law had been given, if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. So um, this is, I think, a wrong text. It's not 3-2. Let's see. For if the law had been given that could impart life, Righteous, then righteousness would certainly have come through the law. And that's not the actual text of that. Uh, I think it's 2, Galatians chapter 2. And uh, I believe it's... Um, no. Yeah, I, I thought it was 2.20. Anyway... I can find it. No worries. We'll get to it. But that's a wrong, that note is wrong for 3-2, Galatians 3-2. If a law that can be, again, been impart, if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. I'll get the, the text for that. No worries. 
Point F. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. That's Galatians 2 and 21. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law. Now, this is how mutually exclusive it is. Christ died for nothing. In other words, if we could be right by keeping the law, we wouldn't need Christ. But the fact is, Christ is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. We need desperately the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no way we can be saved without him. He does two clear things for us when it comes to salvation. One, he has paid for all of our sins, which I just mentioned. He didn't ask you if you wanted your sins paid for. He just did it. And then uh, the second thing that happens for that Christ does for us is he imputes upon our believing in him we receive the righteousness of God which is our standing before God literally the reason why we can say we are righteous and justified is because not we have kept the law not because we have kept ourselves moral and clean or whatever it is it's because the imputation of righteousness freely to everyone who believes. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. It doesn't have any... So that told the Jew, and the Gentiles didn't have the law. It told the Jew that they can be righteous without keeping the Mosaic law. Literally, it has nothing to do with your behavior. Now, that is hard for many people to hear today because they think... It has everything to do with your behavior. And unfortunately, uh, people who are oriented behaviorally speaking lose out on grace because they cannot accept God's free gift of righteousness. Romans 3, 21 through 24. It's clear. So, Setting aside the grace of God, that's what people are doing. They literally are setting aside, this is point F, setting aside the grace of God. So how do you set aside the grace of God? You refuse it. God offers it to you, you say no. And Paul is making the point, you cannot be righteousness through the works of the law. If so, it negates the work of Christ. It literally, God would have justified people through the works of the law but no that is not possible so what happens for people who are pursuing god in this manner they don't get justified the wrath of god remains on them they are lost just like it says in romans uh as we if we're, we're in romans 9 but if we go to romans 10 the very few a few verses away what do we get brothers and sisters 10 1 my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. So if this is Paul's prayer for the Israelites, that they may be saved, what is the category that they are in? They are lost. That's what we should know. They are lost. So pursuing God based on some moral standard, based on your works, based on the law, based on behavior modification, all of those things, is uh, a sure way to reject the work of Christ on your behalf. And you will, the result, you will be lost. Just like Israel. There's the example right there. Christ died for nothing. It is insulting to the work and person of Christ to try to pursue salvation based on the law, when Christ already did everything possible for you to be saved. And all you have to do is believe in Christ. It is insulting to Christ to pursue God in some other way. And God will show this up at the last great white throne judgment. All those people who have trusted in their works God will open the books. He will bring out all, he will trot out all the works they've all ever done. 
and they will not prevail against God's perfect, righteous standard. What will be the result? They will be thrown into the lake of fire. So, it is clear they will be lost, they will be under God's wrath, they will condemned they, because they have not believed in God's one and only Son, on and on. It is literally something that we need to make sure, pay attention, listen to the, to the offer of grace. Make sure we see it. Make sure we understand it. Pursue it. We're going on to point five. If we approach God by the law, the result is rejection. And I just that puts us right there in 10.1 through 4, which I was just reading. We we already read verse 1. Let's go ahead and read to verse 4. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God. Look at that. Zealous for God. You know what that is? It's like running in place for God, but they're not going anywhere. They are running in the wrong direction. They're not running for God. They are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. So you do need some knowledge in order to be saved. So people think, well, what, what is the very minimum you need? We can talk about that. But listen, you need knowledge. You need to hear the gospel. Yeah, that's, that's what it says. Their zeal is not based on knowledge. So they were running in place, running in the wrong direction, but it was because they refused. And here it is. Uh, verse 3, since they did not know the righteousness of God, here it is, and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Wow. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Christ is the end of the law. Why? What do you mean culmination? They, NIV translated. It should be end. So, so the law, if you go back to Galatians, there was a verse there in chapter 3. The law was a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. But once we come to Christ and believe, well, then that is complete, right? We no longer need the law as a schoolmaster or someone who leads us. So Christ, the law does preliminarily lead us to Christ. Why? Why would it lead us to Christ? Because we will realize from the law that we're condemned, we will realize from the law that we are dead and we will put come to Christ. We will see Christ as the only answer and we'll put our trust in him. So that's important. That's, Rome, that's Romans 10, 1 through 4. So point B, ultimately God is identifying the root reasons, the root reasons for Israel's failure. And there are three here that I'm going to quickly uh, point out. One, Israel's resistance of the Spirit distorted the law, the law's purpose. That's Acts 7.51, and this talks about the fact that, uh, well, I will turn to it. Acts 7 and 51. It says, you stiff-necked people. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. And even though they are circumcised, because they're Jews he's talking to, but he's saying your hearts and ears aren't. You, in other words, you, you, you should know, but you don't. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the only way anybody can be saved. We don't come to the knowledge of this information on our own. It has to be God, the Holy Spirit, who leads us to this knowledge. And this is the distortion that Israel had. That's one. It was their resistance of the Spirit. Because of their resistance, what did they do? They used, they tried to use the law in place of the Spirit's leading them to salvation through the substitutionary work of Christ. So they used the law to try to gain God's approval, which was a colossal failure on Israel's part. And yet, that was what continued on for many generations in Israel. Point number two, 
an example of yielding to the spirit and allowing the law to do its preparatory redemptive work. So we, re- we already talked about Romans 7, 7 through 12, last week where Paul, uh, at one point he thought, he says, I'm a Pharisee and I'm blameless. That's in, in uh, Philippians, right? Philippians chapter 2 or 3, Philippians 3, where Paul says, he shows his resume, um, you know, circumcised on the eighth day from the tribe of Benjamin as a Pharisee. He said he was, you know, he was a Pharisee. And then as far as the law was concerned, he said blameless. And we talked about how arrogant Paul must have been. But later, Paul understood in Romans 7, he says, then once I finally, with humility and the Spirit's leading, saw the law, he realized there was not even one command that he was keeping not not blameless he he went from blameless to not even able to keep one command so forget about keeping the law he couldn't even keep one so that was romans 7 7 through 12 and then second corinthians 3 uh second corinthians chapter 3 and 7 through 9 so this is It says, now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, obviously, that's the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments is only, uh, was used here as characteristic of the entire Mosaic law, uh, came with glory, and it did, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, in other words, people didn't think they were condemned, but then when they saw the law, that's what the law brought them to to. to. So I like it. The same thought is in Romans 5. So, so the law was added... So the trans, so that the transgression might increase. Well, the transgression didn't really increase. People came to the knowledge of what they really were, and the, how did they know? Because the mirror got held up in front of them, and they realized one, and verse seven, they that they were dead. They thought they were alive, but the, the law came and it put them to death. It showed them that they were already dead. And then verse 9, the ministry that brought condemnation. The law showed them that, no, they were not justified by the works of the law, but they were condemned. It was the reverse. So uh, that, was, that was an example uh, of how the law does its work and leads us to Christ. Right? Now that we realize we're dead and condemned, we need a Savior. Like Paul said, Re- what a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And number three, Israel questioned God's eternal purpose in electing Jews and Gentiles to church. Now that is major. That's Not only is it major, uh, it's a ma- major root reason for Israel's failure here, but it is very insulting to question God in this manner, especially when it comes to his eternal purpose. God is saying, this is my magnum opus. This is the greatest thing I've ever done. And what does Israel have to say? Instead of believing and becoming a part of the church, what do they say? They say, no, God, you can't do that. We're going to perpetuate the Mosaic law. We want people to continue to be under the law. And under the law, as far as they were concerned, was not even a way of salvation. They, they missed greatly when it came to understanding what God required of them. So those three things entail Israel's failure. And those are the root causes for not only their failure, but their wayward disobedience that led them into all sorts of trouble. But you would think with all that going on that God would just cast away his people, which he foreknew. Absolutely not. Israel has a future. And when you read Revelation, you see them all there throughout fulfilling God's purpose, being that priest nation to the world, no matter what. 
and God will supernaturally preserve their lives. The 144,000 uh, representatives of the nation Israel on the earth. Point C, the Jews and Gentiles who are not in, who are in Christ, now let's get this, the Jews and Gentiles who are in Christ must come through the gospel. So, so it is important, right? Israel is a racial, new racial species, you could say, new racial identity of people. The Jew, the Israelite, Hebrew, but when you come to Gentiles and Jews to come into the church, you got to be saved. Now, how do you get to be a Jew prior to this? Well, you just have to become or, or just have the genes of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob be born in one of those tribes, and, and you are a Jew. You, you, but it doesn't mean you're saved, but it means that you have the genes of Abraham. You're a Jew. And now salvation is after the fact. Now, but what about those in the church? Well, in order to be in the church, you have to come through the gospel. And that's what it says in uh, Ephesians 3, 6. And I will turn to it so we can read that. It is an important verse. So Paul talks about, surely you've heard about the ministration of God's grace, which was given to me for you. That's two. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation of I as I have already written briefly, verse 4. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Now, this is the meat of what we talk about all the time, the mystery. And Paul is saying how important it is for people to come to the knowledge, the full knowledge of it, and point number five, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So the Jews didn't know anything about this plan that God had for the church and his eternal purpose, as we learn later. They didn't know anything about it. It was hidden from them. Then verse 6, he gives you a brief description of what it is. This mystery is that through the gospel, now notice, how you get into the church. It is through the gospel. The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So it is through the gospel that we have all of these things. So Jews who are in the church have to come through the gospel, they have to believe in Christ. Gentiles who are in the, this who are participating in the church and part of this mystery have to come through the gospel. It's just because they're Gentiles, they don't get a pass. And Paul said, I'm the apostle to the Gentiles. But the Gentiles have to first come through the gospel before they can be in the church. That's a key point to make. Right? We must make sure we understand that point. That's point number C. Point D. Uh, we're, we're over time, but we're going to cover these last two points. And this is just a quote. For, for good news came to us, just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were, you, they were not united by faith with those who listened. This is Hebrews 4.2 in the ESV. So, the good news came, the gospel is the good news, came to us just as to them. Who's them Paul's talking about? He's talking about Israel. Well, we said Paul, but it's really the writer of Hebrews. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. So, for, the, for good news came to us just as, it, as to them. So, they had the gospel. But the message they heard did not benefit them. Because they were, it should be, it was not united with faith. Uh, with those who listen. In other words, they didn't have faith. So this is important information because it ties what happened in Israel with the fact that they substituted faith in the substitute, <laughs> the substitutionary work of Christ. They substituted faith with their works of the law. Right? That's the, that was a major issue for them. Spelled out right there in Hebrews 4 and 2. 
And lastly, Israel has a future. And in all that we've said about Israel, anyone who is a Jew today, wherever they are, could simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and they will be saved. It will be, it, the, the hope that they have is still extended to them in, as far as salvation is concerned. They can believe and they can have eternal life. The very thing that they wanted, but they pursued incorrectly through the law, they can have right now. Any Jew, any person of Jewish descent, whoever you are, if they're lost in the world today, all they have to do, believe in Christ, and they will be saved. But Israel does have a future. If they missed the church age, if the rapture happens, then they will go through the tribulation. But even then, God offers his hand of grace to the Jews, right? Even in the tribulation. They have it today. And they have it later in the tribulation. But there is a warning. And there it is in Hebrews 4 and 7. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So hardening your hearts toward God's way. Like it says, you do, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in hearts and ears. You do always resist the Holy Spirit. So they hardened. They stiffened. They said no to God. And that was why Israel failed miserably. But God still reaches his hand out to this disobedient people. And he continues to reach out his hand to them. Today, he says, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. We're going to have to close. We're over, but that's fine. We will continue... Next week, we got two more verses left in Romans, uh, and we will we'll then review Romans chapter 9. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father. We're, we're so pleased and glad that we were able to uh, come together this evening. We thank you for those who have joined us, and we pray as we open um, our hearts to you uh, when it comes to this knowledge that we have gained regarding Israel. But even more so, it helps us to know that salvation is by grace. It is grace alone. It is through faith alone, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we will close, Father, with that thought as we think about Israel's failure and that we don't want it to be our failure. So we, we thank you for providing this grace salvation. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.